I had to shake them on my last case, big O don't play. Good evening, everyone. Uh, what's up, Yin's guys, for you uh, burgers down there? We're missing our main uh, host, Ryan Reed. He's out on an adventure. Let's uh, pop up the Frodo image right now. He's on, on the way to someplace fun. Gandalf came and picked him up yep. and uh, is taking him an off. adventure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Big fish water. That's Big right. fish. So hopefully we'll hear back from him next time uh yeah i guess Got our other big fish hunter back tonight yeah donnie's back from the the great east north evening gentlemen <laughs> i don't yeah, um, it's uh it's it, it was a great trip it's it's good to be back home i will say that was longest i've been away from my daughter and it, it, it started to get tough towards the end yeah how um, long you were a week yeah but not only that so i got my trip was friday to friday and I got home Friday night, but that my wife and daughter were flying to Texas for her, my sister-in-law's baby shower over the weekend. So I actually didn't really even get to see them until I picked them up around midnight Sunday night. So it was a long, uh, it was a long time. The empty house is a weird feeling to come home to. Yeah, it was. (laughs) I guess on to our next one. We got Tom Venata, self-proclaimed trolling mastermind, I I think. That's me. That's that's what the resume says. Something oh, yeah. like that. Hone to the to the sharpest edge. I'm mm-hmm. trying to get some tips from him because yeah. the last time I went out, I got my butt handed to me. Apparently, uh, he's the guy. You gotta come. I can't give him away on the air. You gotta come with me to see the. See the it rhymes with Schmeier Schmoss. <laughs> and I lather oh, it on everything. That took oh, me a moment. To, that took me a moment to realize. <laughs> I cover Fire everything fun. in it, even the reels and the rod holders, just for Craw- extra crawl- attractant. Crawler harnesses at nine miles an hour. Uh-huh. You got it. That's the way to do it. Secret. Last but not least, we got Owen Seaman, Big O's Bucktails. Good evening, gentlemen. Glad to be here tonight. Good evening, Owen. How's the hand? Hand's doing better. Um, you know, I'm I'm actually taking it out of the cast here tonight just to kind of give it a little freedom, but I think I'm I'm saving up. I'm saving up, saving it all up for uh, for the trip to Canada. Like I don't think I'm really gonna even try to do much with it until like, until we go to Canada. So I'll and give I'm, it at least some test runs on the weekend. Yeah, oh yeah, I like will. A couple. But, but I, I mean, I don't I don't plan on testing it very hard. I plan on fishing this weekend, but I plan on trolling since I got the gym boat uh, finally finally all wired up and and uh, the holes plugged because once I got it wired, I I put her in the water and I I realized that I did not plug the holes from the old transducer wires uh. that came through the hull so i backed it into the water i put it out there i'm trying to start it and uh i you know i, I open up the hatch and i see like uh, like a, like like your son pissing you know like <laughs> i'm like oh dad we gotta we gotta take this we gotta take this back in there and ended up going to walmart and buying marine putty and you know trying to fix it so it'll be ready this weekend oh yeah so i'm ready to fish all time that's exciting yeah. well bad news for you is it's already too hot you're not allowed to fish i know, so I know. maybe next year <laughs> So guys, uh, tonight we are, like we said, we are missing our, our, our main hunk, our, our hunkiest hunk, we would say, Ryan Reed. 
But right. we are happy to Self have an addition here tonight. We're happy to have an addition, someone we've been wanting to talk to since we had him on with the Muskie Battle episode uh, a couple of weeks ago, or I guess a month or so ago. And that is Alex McLean from McLean Muskies up there in what, you're Bemidji, Minnesota, right? Yes, sir, that is. Good to be back, gents. And if you aren't following Alex on Instagram, do yourself a favor before you even, you know, go any further into this episode. Um, take him, take a moment, give him a follow on Instagram and check out what he's been doing over the past couple of months here in a very short season up there in Bemidji. He's been absolutely killing it this year. I think this is only our second, second time guest. Oh yeah. Yeah. So Alex, Alex is our second second time guest now after jeff Contreras is now has has blessed our group here twice but so alex is now the second person and we are very excited to have him on oh yeah excited to be here guys we didn't keep you off the water tonight did we that's what i no. that was the first question i had too <laughs> no we uh we are i've been on the water a lot the last two weeks bite's been really good um trying to catch up on uh, a lot of work hours and family family stuff this week uh, a lot more wedding planning going on for this fall so no big deal got time to squeeze this in for sure nice. well now you know that you're gonna have jeff fighting to get back on for three because he's not gonna be happy that you're tied with him <laughs> he's gonna be texting donnie next week already oh get him back get him back <laughs> alex you were up in uh, canada recently right I yeah i I, uh, I made my first jaunt ever past the border um really this past wow. weekend yep Where'd you go? Lake of the Woods? Yep. We went to Lake of the Woods, stayed out of the, uh, the East side Morrison area there. Yep. And, uh, what a place, uh, it's, uh, unbelievable fishery just in general, but just scenic. Uh, it's hard to describe. And we, we put hundreds of miles on the boat and I covered a lot of water <laughs> and, uh, we caught some fish. It was a little bit, more difficult than I was expecting. Um, we did put seven fish in the boat, but in how we many had days? to work. Uh, well, it was just a weekend trip. So Dude, we that's, went up. That's pretty darn good then. Yeah. We went up Friday night and, uh, came, came back on Sunday there, but it, uh, heck of a fishery and, and just really cool, completely different than, than fish in Minnesota waters these days. I, I can tell you that fish actually eat like they're supposed to up there still, <laughs> That's always a great feeling. Now, is it is it quite a bit difference just being on the Canadian side versus the Minnesota side? Um, well, I, I guess uh, it makes me appreciate our infrastructure a little bit. <laughs> the roads up there, I did a number on my trailer, but oh yeah, oh um, yeah, no, it's really it's really backcountry up there, and it feels it it feels it all the way and. Uh, just looking at the aerial, it looks like it's probably more rocky on the Canadian side versus oh, maybe yeah. a sandier yep. bottom on the U.S. side. Yep, it's a uh, well, it's got a good sandy bottom throughout the lake uh, in spots, but so many, so many rocks, so many boulders, so many reefs. It's uh, you could put together a, a five straight year stint out there and, and not cover every spot. It, it's unbelievable. You just go and go and go, and it's a it's a thing where you just got to keep on the move. You got to hit 40 to 50 spots a day and pick up, move on, you know, cover a lot of water covering. And, but it's, it's 
it's just a different game. It's a different game up there. Really fun. I had, I can't, I'm trying to, I'm trying to find another weekend to get back here as soon as possible, but got a lot of plans coming up, you know, family and, and life wise. So who'd you go up there with? Uh, I went up with a buddy of mine, Tyler Schlabs. Uh, he's a little bit newer into musky fishing in the last, uh, last few years, but he's great guy already getting to be one of the better sticks that I know out there. And just, we had a blast, you know? Mostly casting? All casting. I, yeah. I, I told him that. I was like, you know what? We're just going to leave the trolling, the trolling rods behind this weekend and go truly explore. So That's what that Canadian side looks like. It's got all kinds of nooks and crannies that you could just pick apart. for. There were, there were moments. like we, we did have about 85 degrees boiling heat and flat calm water for 75% of the weekend. So there were moments out there when I was like, okay, we just need to, we need to get these, find some trolling rods and just, you know, make get, that happen. Get but, a little bit of breeze, artificial breeze. Yeah. yeah. We, I remember the first, the first day, Saturday when at the end of the day, cause in my, in my boat, little garbage can, we had, uh, we had 15, a mix of 15 waters and Gatorades between the two of us. So we were just drowning in, in heat out there, but either way it was, nice and calm so it allowed us to explore a, a lot of water yeah that's that's always nice you can see those rocks well you can oh yeah yep, we were and... able to pull up uh, I, I got i got so much charting done up there i i am i'm ready to make it happen on another trip soon here <laughs> that's awesome did you spend any time with a guide or anything or did you talk to anyone ahead of time like did you know the spots that you wanted to hit uh well i i talked to a, a couple of local buddies that have been up there uh and you know doug i talked to doug and his buddies and uh got a few pointers here and there not not so much spots but just you know idea of how how canadian fishing functions versus minnesota fishing and but uh like i i didn't i didn't really get too much because I, I i love the I love the search and the, the, you know, going out and learning new waters. That's, that's probably my favorite aspect of musky fishing is breaking down waters and figuring it out on my own. <laughs> so we, we did a lot of exploring, covering end to end and a shameful amount of fuel used, but <laughs> we, yeah. we made it happen. Yeah. Is, uh, is Lake of the Woods stocked at all, or is that all natural there? You know, I, I, I believe it's all natural. Okay. It's been that way for forever. Yeah. I That's a question. I'm not, I'll, I'll give you about a 90% on that answer. Okay. But yeah, if you guys are heading up that way, I know you guys just said you're heading to Canada. Have you been up there before? I've never been to Lake of the Woods. Uh, when, where we, you know, we go on the other side, I go to Lake Nipissing. Nick, Nick goes yep. to Georgian, Georgian Bay. Bay. Um, so yeah, I'm, we're, we're headed up in September for a week. Uh, definitely, definitely me and Nick, hopefully Donnie, uh, I know that Donnie's schedule is going to be kind of, I might, we might be pushing it, trying to get Donnie to, to make it up there. And I get it. I don't, I seriously don't want to put pressure, uh, uh, but that's my goal. I, I don't know about a whole week, but it's, it, it's, it's, uh, I, I'm, I really am going to do my best to make it happen at least for a few days because. I want to check it off the list. I want to get my Nipissing muskie 
I have been to Lake of the Woods once, by the way, but I didn't fish the area you were at, Alex. I was further north. We went out at like we stayed in Kenora. Okay. Yep. Up there. Yep. And uh we fished that that area, but that was back in 2019. But I was I was only there once. Uh it is cool though, like you said. It's it's just yeah, it's beautiful out there. No, I was saying, you know, getting into like, you know, I know that they, you know, some of the topics of tonight are we're going to, we're going to lean into the some social media stuff and some uh, things like that. But I tell you what, spending 90% of my weekend last weekend with zero reception, it just was a breath of fresh air, you know. That is such a good feeling. Well, I was up at the St. Lawrence and I didn't have service for shit for basically the entire week. And besides wanting to talk to my wife and my daughter a couple of times and being pissed that I couldn't FaceTime them. It was fabulous. I loved every second of it. That's what the place we go on the Georgian Bay. I remember when they like they put in a cell phone tower so there was cell phone service in town. And it was like kind of like disappointing. <laughs> Just well, those are some bucket list waters for a lot of the guys. It's some big fish territory up there in the Georgian Bay. It's some yeah. that's a place I've always wanted to head up to eventually too. If you're if you're willing to do some renovation work on the house we just bought up there, you can uh, you can stay for free. <laughs> yeah, I definitely that's definitely you know a bucket list type of water there, Georgian Bay, and I I can't wait to hopefully hopefully we can get up there at some point. I, I would even do a long weekend, Nick, if you. How are your carpentry skills? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> His painting skills are all right. <laughs> I'm hoping by the end of next summer, it's like inhabitable. We want to see one bedroom in Lakewood, one mm-hmm. in Fire Tiger. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> there you go. So let's talk about, uh, you know, really let's, let's get into the kind meat of our, and taters, the meat and potatoes of what what we wanted to talk about here tonight, and that is one of the hot hot topics in in all of musky fishing, and that is the the live scope debate, and whether to scope and whether not to not to scope and We've had ominous music there when you said that, like you can add, you can add that in post, (laughs) post edit. Uh, you know, we've, we've had our own little electronics episodes. So we've already shown what novices we are, uh, in terms of, you know, the big time electronics, we're all for the most part running baby electronics. Uh, no, we're, we're, we're working on it, but for the most part, we don't have multi multi helix 12s. We don't have, you know, live scopes, anything like that. So I guess one of the one reasons I, I saw your posts and I was like, we got to have Alex on because, you know, obviously people feel very strongly about this topic and you couple that with, the all the hubbub about the the PMTT tournament that was up in uh, was at Eagle River, uh, Wisconsin, where the one team using live scope put but like eight eight fish in the boat on day one and and two on day two or something like that and just completely lapped the field. So you had a lot of comments on on social media of people saying that's not fair, it's not fair. Um, you had a lot of people saying. Hey, it is what it is. Everyone has the opportunity to, to, to have this set up. Therefore, it's an even playing field. If you want to complain, go out and buy your own and get your own set up. Um, so you, you really, this is a, really a topic that I think we as novices 
have to stay out of and we want kind of want to talk to some people that might have a little bit more knowledge of the situation and and you've been putting fish in the boat and you've been making a note that it's it's not via live scope that's that's correct i I would definitely say it is the hottest topic in musky fishing today um and i noticed i noticed another minnesota guy uh i think his i think his name is minnesota angling on on uh on Instagram. Instagram or Facebook. Yes. Also, yeah. uh, also a buddy of mine. He's a great guy and a really great angler. Yep. And he, he posted something. He had a great video the other day, uh, Ed, that I, that I liked. And he said something also about, you know, no scope. So clearly in Minnesota, people are taking notice. Yep. And I guess, yeah, it's a, it's an extensive topic and it, it can be very polarizing uh like a like you know like modern political discussions sure. and you have to be able to to have these conversations with with both ends and right. you have to either find mutual ground or have res- total respect for the other people's opinions and and there are huge lapses in that you know when it comes to people just losing respect for certain people's opinions so in order to to go and also time modern times is, have changed. I mean, it's changing drastically, not just in fishing, but in just the world, you know, so new generations are coming up in a more technological world than mm-hmm. we were. And it, it's the same, you know, sometimes I, you know, I can sound like an angry old grandpa, you know, when I come, when I talk about technology and, and fishing, but with that being said, you know, let's just start from the beginning. Um, you know, I started musky fishing in 2001. Um, and I, at the time, at that time, I wasn't even aware of muskies. I was a 15 year old kid. Um, we were out on a family vacation up at Cass Lake, Minnesota. I uh, used to, I'm from the twin cities. Um, and I've been coming up to this Bemidji area for 20 years now, but we we're out on Cass Lake and I was throwing spoons for pike with, uh, with the old man and just, classic fishing we were in our old uh starcraft no i mean there was no electronics back then and we were just scooting around experimenting and i had you know from a photographic memory probably now like a 45 inch muskie come up to the boat and i was just vertical jigging this spoon i remember and it just stayed on it for or in a went around probably 15 times on the lure. And I, I, I wasn't even trying to figure it. I was just trying to entice it to bite. Cause I didn't know, I didn't know anything about musky fishing at the time. And that was the moment that just corrupted me for this sport. Uh, you know, when I was 15, <laughs> literally two hours later, after we got back to camp, I was like, dad, we got to go to the store. I gotta, I gotta get some bigger stuff. I ended up getting like an old Abu, uh, like 65 c3 or something like that at the time yeah. and, and then just like a catfish rod and put some 50 pound braid on there and was i was i was at it from that very moment um didn't catch any but got uh, got back home after that week trip and got on my dial-up internet and typed in musky to the old og google there so <laughs> and then that brought me to the only reliable source uh at the time which was musky first um and there was also i think muskies 101 or musky 411 couple original just forums yeah uh and 
it just grew the passion grew from there oh and i've i've been doing it ever since um and uh now i just i'm out i'm out there fishing for fun having a good time meeting meeting a bunch of new guys um and i do get the question a lot how come you don't guide how come you you know how come you don't get into the the business side of things and it's always been something that is enticing just but i i i say it over and over and over i don't want to i don't want to lose the passion for the sport and just and make it all make it a a business of mine you know i've seen it too many times where people were go will go down that route and just um sort of lose their their love for the sport and i i don't ever want that so i just go out there and i'm just fishing and uh you know and we're having a good season up here in minnesota this year um and we we want to talk about live scope which i've been thinking about that all week coming on this podcast like this kind of feels like man maybe this should be the last i guess vocal hurrah you know before before i'm going off the grid to lake of the woods every weekend you know what i mean (laughs) um but the conversation you know in in my opinion it needs to be had um so let's let's start let's start like let's back up a little bit i mean really the conversation is kind of the same conversation that you have in almost every sport where te- when does technology kind of catch up to a point and it overtake the idea of skill right and that's what so, i think like some bass tournaments even have rules already re- you know regarding those type of imaging systems that they aren't you know you can't use that you're only allowed to use you know 2d or side scan so so that that is the main argument i guess it uh it was alongside the concept of what is what is called fair chase um so that is a concept that has been around for for years and years um it's been discussed since our original 2d sonar it came out um and then it, it got more and more so discussed when you know side imaging came out um so you know fair chase being especially in in tournament angling you know at what point do we do we cross that line to where it's just you know no longer considered fishing or or fair to the fish you know um and if, if if you don't have if you you're talking to somebody who doesn't believe in or understand that concept it's going to be hard to to break through to them in a in a point to where they they care at all about the effects that advancing technology can have on on the resource um you can so i'm trying to think well let me play devil's advocate right there from the beginning if 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 the intention of musky fishing is generally catch and release you know the idea of fair you know, I, I guess people could say, what does it matter how I catch them? I'm going to release it. You know, I'm not killing yeah. this thing. So it would be different if I'm if I'm bringing a gun to this fight. Correct. Right, Because you see, I mean, you hear the fair chase debate a lot in the hunting world, too. Like you you have said the 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 paid in fence job, you know, I, I know now hunts it's... In, in Wisconsin yeah. or wherever <laughs> I know now it's, it's a big deal of people real, using but, using drones to either find fish or find game and then, you know, putting right. a stock on at that point. So, uh, yeah. So one thing with the technology is 
whenever new technology comes out in, in the fishing industry, it, it tends to make its rounds through like a professional bass circuit first. And then, you know, like crappie circuits before it reaches musky fishing. I don't know why it is. I guess, you That's know, everything. Yeah. Wow. It, we're willing to chase a, a fish, a, you know, the fish you catch one a day versus 20 a day. We, we can't be smart, you know? <laughs> yep. So it's still, it's still a relatively using, using a live scope system is still kind of a new concept to a lot of people in, in muskie fishing. But I, since the technology came out in 2018, I want to say, I, I've known that I've known since it came out that we were going to reach this point. And, uh, the, the issue at hand, like you were saying, you know, well, we're just releasing them. Well, you know, why does it matter how we're fishing with them? If the fish are, are going to survive? Well, well, that's my first problem that I have with it. Um, in Minnesota, when it, when live scope came out, you know, it, it got in the hands of a lot of guides first, which or, you know, which it tends to do. They're the first to access the new technology, first to experiment with it. Um, and they did. They experimented a, a lot of, a lot of well-known guides. Um, one thing about Minnesota guides is they, they do a, a pretty good job at keeping, you know, off the radar and they don't get into public discussions very often. Um, and it's, it's a good thing, you know, cause they're, they're up keeping their business, but it's also, it, 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 we're coming to a point where they're going to have to start being vocal about some opinions, you know, with this tech and stuff, because th there were a lot of people and some people that I, I know, even some friends of mine that got, that were in the experimental phases of using LiveScope um, since 2018. And the problem with it is that it's the, it is the first technology of its kind that can allow an angler to ab abuse a fishery in an unethical way. And what, what I mean by that is when you're musky, with musky fishing, there's basically, a, there's a couple ways you can like unethically fish for them. Number one, first and foremost is obviously snagging muskies. Okay. I've seen it in a, in a couple tournaments now that I've fished in guys pulling up onto to reefs with their live scope and pitching at them with i even caught a guy pitching at it with just tre large treble hooks really? and and rips yeah oh yeah rip snagging Holy shit rip snagging muskies on live video i have i've also and that's that's the, that to me is the biggest problem with it right there the fact that you can have you can absolutely you know people can say no you can't do that you absolutely can you can pull up with a Garmin live scope, uh, Lawrence active target, hummingbird live, whatever version of it you, you use. And you can, in, you can very easily drop hooks, baits, whatever on muskies and snag them. I've seen it happen. I've seen it happen in tournaments. And that since the day, uh, that is where I started to form my opinion on this is like, whoa, we got to take a step back with this right away. Uh, an, another, another problem with it that I have seen is during the summer months, and the same can be said for deep water trolling, but during the summer months, when the thermocline develops, you can, you can use the tech to pull fish out of, 
deep, too deep of water. And what, what happens with the muskies is they, they can get barrel trauma from, you know, just the pressure alone, let alone the, the, the water temperature changes. Um, yeah, because, I mean, you get a lot of those fish that are sitting 20 feet down on that at the thermocline. Yep, lots of them, and more, way more than people think, especially especially in the state of Minnesota. And, and guys are able to, to uh, you know, you find that fish on live video and drop a bait right down on it and pull it up. And, that you know, that has led to an unbelievable amount of floating muskies uh, in, in Minnesota. It, you know, it's it's been happening in the last four or five years on, uh, you know, heavily on Leech Lake and heavily on Lake Vermilion um, for, because of this. And I have a video I have of a live scoping guy, you know, dropping a jig down to the thermocline, ripping, ripping it up, setting it back in the water to 47 incher, dead floating instantly, drove over, picked it up. And these are the type of things that uh, as someone who's so passionate about the resource, uh, like I've been, like I said, I've been doing this for, for so long now. And uh, to, to me, it, it, I tend to lean on that anti-live scope side because it, it's almost offensive to me, to the, to the resource. I, I, there's, I go back a long ways with the, older guys from muskies inc who worked so hard for so many years to try to bring light to ethical fishing you know with is just starting with the days of well we should hold them horizontally you know we should not fish for them in hot water there's been all kinds of research done in terms of you know what what we can do as anglers to to keep the muskie fishing resource alive and keep it keep it going for future generations, including ourselves. And to me, it's, there's a lot of people that just have blatant disrespect for it. And I'm not saying people, any, everyone who live, who uses Garmin LiveScope has disrespect right. for I mean, I mean, it. That's yeah. not, that's not the that, case. I have good friends that use it ethically and, and the way it's intended. Right. I mean, there's a so, big difference between somebody who's just using it to fish and someone who is doing something like what you're describing, which would be, you know, essentially poaching in a certain sense, you know, trying to snag the, you know, snag a fish or, you know, doing something that we all know is not smart, which is bringing a fish up from from deep and expecting that fish to to survive. So I, I want to just make that clear that we're not we're not talking about, you know, the guys that are out there just you know, fishing, I guess. Go ahead, Don. I see you got your hands up. Yeah. I, I wanted to ask Alex, would you, do you think that the, the bigger problem or would be, you know, unethical anglers or is it inexperienced, give, you know, giving inexperienced anglers a easier opportunity to take a shot, you know, at these fish or, or, or what have you? I'm just curious. Do you think, there's more uh, of people out there just trying to fish unethically, or is it people that don't know any better and they get the live scope and they're just out there fishing and, you know, musky fishing's easy. I can just go over and drop something down on their heads and they eat it. Yep. And I, I do think that it is a mix of both. Um, I, I know the, the, the common verbiage would be to, you know, in terms of the unethical standpoint to, 
blame the it's it's the it's the angler right it's not the technology it's the angler we gotta we gotta work on improving but this is the only technology of its kind that allows an unethical angler to to abuse the fish right you can't i can't go and and drop you know and this is what we're seeing we're seeing videos out there of of guys um driving driving around using the gas motor and and uh there's there's so many different lanes we can go down here but uh and fight just waiting until they find a fish on live video and just tossing baits until it lands on their head um uh and if that's your if that's your jam that's your jam right if you're not pulling them out of deep water and you're not snagging them okay but it's to me it's it it's open it opens the door to just a to tech technology too much that i don't i don't just i don't think that's fishing you know what i mean like well, you like see, i you had see to go it, through you see it in other sports i mean other sports have had to rain rain technology in but that's when it come that's when it begins to affect i guess the competition aspect you know right. sports are involving so here we have two aspects you know we have one in terms of guys in the pmtt saying hey it it gave an unfair advantage in a competition aspect but you're also saying that not only it, it, it does it have an unfair advantage in that aspect, but it, it can have a negative negative impact on the actual resource that we all enjoy so much and we we spend so much time with. So it's more than just like, oh, this is too, you know, it's too easy for these guys to catch fish. Yeah. Well, so okay. So let's talk about that. Um, so from a from a uh, professional or tournament fishing aspect. Uh, in terms of unfair advantages. So I'll tell you with, with live scope, there's a couple different variations of how to, how to use it, right? You've got your, you've got your forward setup, your perspective setups. Um, you've got pan optics, which is like a 40 degree angle you get that covers the water column. Uh, and it's really the pan optics that a lot of guys are using to so-called sharpshoot fish, which is the, I see a fish down there on live video. Let me get a bait, drop it on its head on live, on live video. Right. So that's, that's, you know, um, when it comes to tournament angling, the, the guys who went out and mashed in the last PMT tournament to, to sort of stir the, the conversation up. So, so they have multiple units, right? Uh, and when you do that, oh. you can set it. You can. There's a system that you can. I've I've fished in boats with these systems. Okay, you can literally set this system up in your boat with multiple units, to where you're You can just simply drive along, gas motor on if you feel the need, driving slow, trolling motor, whatever reason it be may be. And you can get a, you can get just about, or sometimes if you have enough units, a 360 degree field of view, a hundred plus feet out from your boat, covering all the water column. So you can literally just drive along without casting and wait until you come in the presence of a fish and just drop baits on them. Now, and I'll common argument from a, from a 
a, a pro scoper, so to say, would be, well, you, you can't always make them bite, right? <laughs> well, when you can get a bait within five inches of a muskie's head 80 times a day, you're going to see exponential amount of bites, okay? There are some of these guides that, you know, went from, you know, there's some guides out there that who, who've, you, you know, let's say used to catch 20 to 40 muskies in a year who are now easily bagging over a hundred. I mean, it's, it's the, the, the resource itself is so heavily pressured, especially in Minnesota, um, that for someone to be able to go out and, and catch 10 plus muskies in a, in a day is almost unfathomable. And you're going to start, if you start to see everyone, you're going to, and like I said, I knew that, I knew this was going to happen. Okay. I knew that these guys with these, this optimal setup are going to go out there and just dominate an attorney. And that's, what's going to start it all up. I, I knew it was going to happen. And I, and um, I think it's completely reasonable for, a t- for tournaments to start setting, setting limits on that stuff, you know, because at some point it's, it, it becomes, like you said, more, it's more what you can afford. Like how much, how much money can you, can you put into this electronic setup to give you literally the most comprehensive view of the water around, around you. And yes, no one can make that fish bite, but if you, if you do it in, you know, in, a, in such a way that it makes it unfair, I can absolutely see that being banned i mean uh, but then again that's different than saying joe schmo who just spent you know forty thousand dollars on a lund and wants to also spend another you know you know 10 grand on electronics that he can't do it you know like that's correct and uh, you know that's the argument to be made when it comes to like the the pmtt and and musky tournaments in the future like Another common phrase that you see out there from pro scoping guys is, well, technology is here to stay. So you, you, either, you either get with the program or you, you get dead. Well, that program now, if you, if you want to be able to compete in these tournaments, is, is a, is a $30,000 check from your pocketbook to, to get the optimal setup for this. That's, that's what you're, you're going to need. You're going to need that if you want to compete in these tournaments uh, in the future. And is that going to is that going to push more people away or bring more people in? That's I guess that you could argue that either either way. But that is one of those things I always think about. The PMTT is like you know realistically every you know all of us Joe schmoes could go to an event and you know stand a chance at a PMTT versus you know pro bass tour or whatever you're not you're you're probably priced out of the out of the competition but then you know with a system like that that's that has that high cost entry then i mean you're yeah to, to me it's it's the the worst it's not necessarily that like it's the it, it's the open door to unethical use of it especially in tournaments um, that is not, is not good for the sport. And, uh, I, I, that's why I'm, I don't, I wish to not see it in, in tournaments. You know, you, there are plenty of great guys out there that use a live, a live scope unit, um, in their boat. There's, there, there are practical uses for it. Okay. 
like trolling. It's very, it's a very, very good tool to use for trolling. You can, you can learn a lot using it trolling, uh, you know, on your forward view, you can watch your bait live. You can understand your, your depth variation for the baits that you're using, you know, Oh, you know, I, now I know that if I put this 65 feet out at three, 3.5 miles an hour that I'm getting down 15 feet. You know I mean, like you can see it, you know, what's going on with your baits. And you also, you also learn that a lot more fish come up to those baits when trolling than, than you, you believe a lot yes, more, you, do. you know? So there's, and then like, or like, uh, you know, live bait fishing, you, you can watch your live bait. You can watch fish come up to it. It, it is an entertaining tool, uh, of technology to have for certain, for certain variations. So there are some cool things about it. It is entertaining. It's undeniably entertaining to have, but you know, at the same time, it's, it, I, I just don't see it as being uh, the, the, the cons outweigh the pros in, in terms of the future for the resource itself when, when it comes to this. Um, and I'm not so much offended by, by it. It's, you know, but for years and years and years, all of us guys who've been do who've been in this sport for so long, right? We we had to go through a, a massive learning curves, trial and errors, uh, fisheries education, um, uh, musky research, um, time on the water, so many things to that got us to you know to develop into the anglers that we are now. Um, to be able to go out and, and catch, catch fish and, and do, and do well with it. Um, and now, you know, truth be told you, it's my opinion that you can just like any, any new angler in the game with a big pocketbook and go and just dump, you know, 25 K into their boat and then just drive around and, and drop baits on the heads of fish without, without learning a thing. And it's, to me, that's just, that's, that takes away from the, the truth of, of musky fishing. You know, this is the, the, this is known as the fish of 10,000 casts. Now, do we want to improve that? Yes, but we, I don't think we want to improve it to being a fish for every five times you decide to cast <laughs> each time you see a fish while driving around with your gas motor until one comes through on live video. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'd never so, really like thought about it as like that you know, being able to select your casts or Uneth- whatever. Yeah. Unethically. Yeah. Yeah. Until like selectively. The one time I, I, you know, had like an epiphany moment on electronics was, I think it was a John Hoyer podcast. I think he was talking about uh, walleyes, but he was, you know, talking about how he had, I guess he was calibrated to his side imaging enough that he could watch that screen, see where the fish is sitting off, you know, whichever side of the boat and kind of make a 45 degree rearward cast to where he knew that that fish would be based on the boat speed and everything kind of, you know, doing internal, you know, mental math to figure that out. And I was like, wow, that's impressive. But then he kind of went into like, you know, calibrating himself you know, picking a dock piling or something, and then something that you can visually see above the water, 
and coordinating mm-hmm. your cast based on your speed, you know, set your trolling motor at one or whatever. And live scope makes it way, 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 way simpler. I was going to say, that's one of the arguments I see popping up now are the guys that are like, well, I can do that with side imaging. Right. I can sharpshoot a muskie on side imaging because I'm like a side imaging ninja. Yeah. So but you don't like, know that the muskie is still there. Yeah. You're not watching it. Feedback. Yep. Exactly. That was my thought when I read that. Right. So, so this, I mean, that is a, that is a common, uh, discussion that's that's been had well well i always i always see the comment well it's no different than side imaging well you know if it's no different than side imaging then why waste 30 grand on on this live scope set it right you have you know what i mean if it's no different why don't you just go buy a helix and you know why you don't need to waste 30 grand you know what i mean Mm -hmm. but i can tell you that it's it is uh, this uh, uh, an ethics discussion did come about with side imaging too. Guys were like, oh, and, and in terms of like every every one of us had to adapt if we wanted to fish competitively or guide or put fish in the boat more. You you have to adapt and, and get a side imaging unit. It, it, it was it was the, the the previous biggest game changer in in musky fishing, and we do we are able to go out and mark fish on side imaging and have a general idea of where they are before mm-hmm. casting at them on whatever side of the boat, but you're not, you're not getting a, you know, a full, a full view, a hundred feet out, every bit of the water column. And you're not, you're not, they're not on live video fish in Minnesota, especially are, are very transient fish. They are always on the move. You know, I, you can, you can drive by and mark a fish on side imaging. And by the time you've pitched at it, that fish could be, 50 mm-hmm. feet down in the water you know what i mean it's you the live scope if, if allows you, could you draw to draw hunting if you could draw a hunting comparison it's kind of like if you can get your trail cameras to know you know to know where where game was at some point as opposed to having a live tracker on that game you know and being able right. to see, see the, the game yeah see that game's movement at, in real time is kind of what you're talking about with your your live scope as opposed to just knowing where a fish had been you know recently that's right. the thing. I think Montana actually passed a law the last couple of years outlawing drones because people were using drones to find an elk herd and then, you know, keeping tabs on it with the drone and then just hiking up to it. And yeah, I think, it, I think it was Joe C when we had him on, he said that yeah. the hunting community was like real quick to pick up on the drone thing, like the yep. drone technology, like that's a, that's a definite no go. Yeah, same with, uh, I know it was a big deal with like shore fishermen, you know, running weights out past the break, you know, drop off, dropping a, you know, a bait farther out than you could ever cast. And then, you know, just hauling it out there with the drone instead of. It's the same, it's the same concept for sure in Minnesota. Like when I I just last weekend, so there's a guy that it was up on a local lake of mine and I was watching him on top of a shallow water bar and he's, he was driving around and chasing down the fish on his live scope. So he's staring at a screen underhand pitching at it. And I was, while I was sitting there from a distance, just watching this happen, just staring in awe <laughs> as his boat just went in three, in, in a 50 foot span, just went in 
360s. Like he didn't even realize his trolling motor was doing complete circles as he <laughs> stared at the screen, underhand pitching a chase uh, at a fish that was trying to simply get away. Yeah. With this tech, the the muskie muskies cannot escape this this uh, live video. You can chase them down from one end of the of the brake line to the other. You know, and it's what what is that? You know, in my what is that? You know. That's, makes makes that's me not think, fishing. Makes me think of a person burying their phone that walks out in front of traffic. And you see, you see it in bass tournaments too. Like I had a buddy that sent me a link, and he's just like, "Man, I'm out here on this local lake, and these guys are just staring at staring at their screens. They're not even looking at their cast. They're just they won't. They I've been here for probably ten minutes, and they won't even look up and and see me. You know, it's like <laughs> it's pretty unbelievable. You know, and to me, there is a line that it, it th- that there is to cross when it comes to fairly chasing a muskie, and we've crossed that with live scope. I think side imaging was like didn't cross it, but it was the final like okay, you know, after this, what, what's next? You know, yep. that's what I was going to well, say. Is if if say the world says Alex McLean is the new tournament director for all musky tournaments, where would you draw that line? Would that be right at side imaging? Probably. I mean, it would be, I yeah. think, I think everyone's adapt. Everyone, including myself has adapted to side imaging. It's a really cool tool. Um, if I could go back to, to fishing with just a, just a, a chart plotter, just for, just for mapping, mm-hmm. you know, for safety reasons, I guess alone. Um, that then that's how i would do it i would you know to me the 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 most precious part of of musky angling is the is the challenge and the reward and the more technology advances the more the challenge decreases and the more and the more the reward of catching a a musky decreases well, see, I, I don't know. I, I've mentioned in the podcast a couple times recently that I was a golfer in a previous life, and I kind of went through the, 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 the technology boom in golf, playing competitive golf, where you had um, driver heads that just kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger until finally the the ruling golfing bodies had to say hold on a second it's got to stop and it they capped it at 460 cc's so they said this is the biggest the driver head can be this is you know we're not going to allow this anymore same thing with um uh, when i was playing competitively the belly putter i don't know if anyone you know has any recollection of that but that ended up getting banned it basically just like you know a, a a small piece of technology that golf ended up banning because people saw it as being an unfair advantage now you have other things like range finders meaning yard finders so you know you can use those you know going out to play golf anytime you want but you cannot use those in a tournament you know in a right. in, in a pga event you don't see caddies yeah. using range finders you know you see them actually physically counting off the steps and figuring it out so there in a tournament aspect tournament bodies said hey that's a step too far being able to right. digitally tell exactly what your yardage is from the pin immediately that is a step too far 
we're going to back you off a little bit and say, Hey, if you want to do that on your Sunday morning round of golf, by all means, we want people to have fun when they play golf. It doesn't hurt anyone. If you, if you can get a quick yardage on a Sunday morning, but it does, if you're in a competition. So I think that musky fishing is going to have to figure out something like that, where, you, you know, the tournament aspect of it is one thing and the other aspect of, Hey, these are guys that want to go out and have fun. And this is how I spent, this is my passion. And this is how I want to spend my time and my money. I'm allowed to do whatever the hell I want with my time and my money. That's kind of like how, how you're going to have a lot of guys saying. That's one thing yep. too. Like how you're talking about the going back to the days of the chart plotter. Like I remember when I first got, it was a Navionics chip for a little handheld, magellan gps and that was like you know that was the world changer for us you know up in canada on the georgian bay and now i can i can pinpoint myself on the the structure that comes up from 100 feet to 40 feet i'm on fish like if i can if i can find that spot i'm on the fish so it's like it was like the you know huge epiphany moment for us that you know, that technology is available and, you know. Yeah. And I mean, I think that's, that's basically the whole debate, right? Because, you know, Alex touched on it too. I'm sure, uh, obviously we all haven't been involved in professional tournaments our entire lives or anything, but I'm sure every advancement in technology has sparked a debate, right? Right. I would have to figure amongst, amongst fishermen there in these tournaments and what have you. It's, and I think every ethical angler, every true ethical angler would also agree that there, there is a line somewhere with this technology. I think the question is, is that, are we there? Is, is this the line or is it whatever comes after this? Because we know what, what's, you know, Owen said it earlier, what's a year, two years, three years down the road what comes after live scope are we rolling around with 360 know, live scope right I, don't I, have I, to I can't just under the water where we see everything like drones you know, so, you know or so what, here's the thing what in Go the r and d departments right now you know i can't imagine what they already have in the works and how much money they have invested in the technology that they are working on i mean there are big things in play here I'll tell you what, and I do know some of the guys that are associating with these companies. You know, you've got the big three. You've got Lawrence, Humminbird, and Garmin. And right now, they are in a tech arms race War, against right. each other. Yep, and they are they are trying to put well, out. That's obvious from the outside looking in almost. It's happening And everything you guys just mentioned is, is, is being worked on. It is in the works. It sounds crazy, but it is all that stuff that you just mentioned is in the works. Yep. So you're going to see, you know, at some point, us as anglers, if we have respect for the resource, we have to be, we have to step up and, and be vocal about it and say, hey, you know, at what point does this cross the line of what is, what is fishing meant to be? And and playing a, a game out there on, on a water, you know what I mean? And there, like, well, a lot of things I, well, a lot of thing I will say too, especially one of the things that get uh, gets under my skin is definitely not all of them, but a lot of the people out there that are screaming out loud pro live scope, they have a huge history of being 
of unethical angling, whether it be getting your, you know, I know there's a guy out there who got his Minnesota license stripped last year for out of season fish, huge, huge advocate of it. You know, there's the guys that are unethically trolling multiple lines, you know, every night and past the legal limit. And a lot of the guys that really want this tech, this tech to stay and they are, don't have such a good history. And those are, those are the guys that tend to get under my skin a little bit. And I tend to, I don't know if you want to call it throw jabs or something like that here and there, but it's just like, you know what? That's, that's, that's no good. You know, in, in Minnesota, we've got such pressured water these days. Okay. We've got 10, 10, 15 years ago. Okay. We had a thousand musky anglers in Minnesota, right. You know, and nowadays we've got what 30,000, 40,000, and we've got a hundred bodies of water, give or take to, to choose from. So the, the more, the, and we've seen the declines. It's, it's been a horrible decline since the early two thousands on just about every body of water. And okay, so, uh, so that brings me to actually something I wanted to talk to you about. And that was, you know, the, the declines you've been fishing Minnesota musky lakes your entire life. So you've kind of seen the, the ups and the downs and why doesn't Minnesota support you know, you know, a, a significant stocking program like they did back when they created a fishery like Mill Lacks. So I'll say this: Mill Lacks is a great example because Mill Lacks has Mill Lacks has all the potential in the world to be like as effective as a Lake St. Clair, but with way bigger muskies and more. You know, but it's just so mismanaged and. There's so there's many things that go into it. Uh, I guess funding for stocking would be would be one of them. Um, legislature. Well, if you've got, got thirty thousand musky anglers in Minnesota now, some there's got to be chapters of Muskies Inc. and stuff like that that can put together. That's how we fund a bunch of the musky stocking here in Pennsylvania. We we our local chapter, you know, they do fundraisers in order to buy minnows to feed these muskies that are stocked into our lakes. Yep. And ours, ours does the same, but it, it can only, it can only go so far because, well, one of the, I guess, so here's one of the main reasons that it's been trouble. Like the, the Minnesota DNR for the most part wants to expand musky fishing. Um, because of the overwhelming popularity of it nowadays, it's, it's almost becoming our most popular game fish. Um, but you, you know, we're, we've gotten so much pushback from the, the, the walleye community who just has, just has no, no, no concept whatsoever of the ecosystem uh, fisheries research that proves that muskies are not out there eating all your walleyes. You know what I mean? (laughs) And uh, the pushback from them makes it makes it difficult for the DNR to expand our waters uh, in a lot of ways. Uh, and so we need to keep being vocal on that. Um, Muskies Inc. is an incredible program. And it, if, it, if it weren't for Muskies Inc., we wouldn't have any of the opportunities we have whatsoever today. And so for everyone to, to be a part of that, you know, it would, to chip in their 35, 45 bucks a year to becoming a member of that, it plays a way bigger factor than, than people realize all of those funds go into the 
stocking the fish that I'm out there fishing every night. You know what I mean? And so people, people gotta keep vocal about that and, and support those programs because they're, they're doing everything that they, they are allowed to do based off of state regulation. To our listeners here in Pennsylvania, you know, Pennsylvania gives you the option to, to buy a voluntary muskie permit. And it's not a muskie permit. Like you're not buying a permit to harvest the muskies or anything. Right. It's basically just a, a, you're buying yourself. You're, you're putting $10 towards donating 10 bucks towards, yeah, towards muskie the muskie program. And if you're curious about it, Ryan Reed has approximately seven hours of videos telling you all about it. <laughs> That's what this year they ended up. I think they're out of, uh, improvements to make at the hatchery so they actually just bought additional fingerlings to stock and uh and new water bodies or water bodies that historically got stocked and got taken off the list when the cuts were made whenever it was but yeah sorry off off topic alex but no i that's that's you know so yeah i mean so the live scope is just it's a it's entered a new a generation of, of fishing here. It is here to stay, but us as anglers have to take, have to take that step in educating ourselves to understanding its capabilities. And in terms, if you understand its capabilities in full, I think logically you, it would, you shouldn't want to have it in a tournament aspect. Okay. Like I said, there are practical uses. It's very practical for, for a guy, for guides out there who want to entertain clients, especially clients that don't know anything about muskies, you know, they're, they're, it's really cool, you know, oh, look at that, you know, I can see a fish on, you know, on live video or whatever, and you can, they can watch their baits trolling, they can watch their, their, uh, their live bait, you know, it's, it is, it is cool, and it can be very entertaining, especially for inexperienced clients, um, and if you want to, like you said, if you want to go do that, if you want to go sharpshoot or a live scope as long as it's ethically not you know in the right water columns and uh and you're not snagging fish and that sort of thing on a saturday afternoon you know be my guest i, I don't i don't care that has i don't care at all i have a, a lot of friends that use live scope yeah i poke fun at them every now and then you know but um if that's your jam that's your jam you know that's that that's that's absolutely nothing to do with the conversation at hand and that's all these arguments i'm seeing like oh well you're just jealous that they're out catching fish no uh, uh no we're not uh, <laughs> no we're not believe me okay you can't afford that's another one i see a lot is oh you just you're just jealous you, you can't afford it that's not the case either if, if i wanted scopes on my boat i would make it happen i go put scopes mm-hmm. on my boat that's absolutely that's what they irrelevant. make credit cards for everybody can afford everything oh, yeah right? right yeah yeah you know what i mean and uh you I know i can't afford my boat but i have it <laughs> the comments like oh you're just you're so mad that other people are catching fish and it's like no no we're not i i especially not my buddies and my and my buddies who use live scope i i am ecstatic when i see them catching fish i love it love to see it love to see all the musky musky photos out there for especially like you know muskies ink related stuff too like just for you know people people who upload their information to muskies ink to help the dnr better it's it's all good for the resource this sort of thing so it's i love to see it i you know these days when in such a politically driven world like going on to so, a social media 
and seeing photos of fish and muskies, there's nothing, there's nothing more cool than that. You know, I love it. Mm -hmm. So these people that are just putting out too much mindless drivel when it comes to their argument on why live scope is fine, you know, and I guess that's, that's the point I have to make about that, but. Well, let's, since we're talking about some positive, some positive things, let's, you know, I, th- let's talk about some more positive stuff. Like you've been, you've been putting some big fish in the boat. Like how, tell us a little bit about your season so far. Oh, so we are off. This is, this is where, I don't know what's happening. Uh, so I'm definitely off to the best season start I've had in, I don't know, probably 10 years or so. Um, I think a big part of that though, is that the waters are a little bit less pressured this year because gas we're not seeing the the huge influx of of people flying flying up to the area here um because it you know even if you're driving up from the cities for a weekend you know that's going to be a 700 trip for you you know dragging your boat and- I, I was gonna say it was an observation i've had it seems like there's more people that uh you know either were completely unfettered for during the pandemic that now aren't anymore that, you know, don't have every day of the week to go fishing. Yeah. Well, that, that's, that's actually kind of along the lines of what I was going to say is did your area get hammered during the pandemic from guys that couldn't go to Canada that said, all right, I'm going to go to something that is, you know, the next best thing. I'm going to try to go to Northern Minnesota. Like I've never seen the last two years. It just flood floods of people. And like I said, all these anglers in Minnesota with all that free time the last two years, a lot of people not, not working. Um, what, you know, as a muskie angler, if you don't have to work for a long time, what are you going to go do? You're going to go sit on some Northern water and fish and fish and fish. And it is, there's a drastic difference. You know, there's still a good number of guys up here and still a lot of a lot of guys not going to Canada yet, but there are far less guys out there this season than there were the last two. So and I think that's playing in a part to why we're off to such a successful start uh, overall, because my time on the water is, is no different than it was the last two years. I, I haven't personally not worked. I, you know, I still am out working my regular job 50 hours a week. So we're just making it happen this year and fish are biting and uh, it's been fun and having a lot of, a lot of good times with, with my buddies out there and just it's a great season. There's nothing, nothing more I can put, how I can put that. Is, Donnie, did you, did you have a question, Donnie? No. Okay. He was bad. waving cause he's no longer oh, yeah, uh, unfettered was, by COVID. Yeah, oh. yeah. I was just saying I was one of the people that was able to fish nonstop for almost two years. And now I gotcha. Now I'm back gotcha. to work and it sucks. <laughs> back to reality. <laughs> yeah. Uh was the is the border crossing that you would have taken to get the Lake of the Woods the one that uh I think it was one over there when it first reopened, there was like a seven or eight hour wait or something like that. Yep. Uh, that was the one. And when I went up this past weekend, it was a zero minute wait. That's excellent. They let me in and I was good and there was no vehicles near me. So you don't have to even show vaccination status anymore, right? Uh, well, you, you, all you have to do is upload a card into the system. They didn't ask for it at the board or anything. Yeah. Like we did with the 
arrive yeah, cam. It's pretty, gotcha. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's pretty, pretty unregulated now, and I don't think they care. So, <laughs> you know, do what you may do on your own time, but yeah, it's pretty, pretty loose leaf now. That's what I was surprised that, uh, like when we first went up, we went up, uh, I think the weekend after it opened to you know Georgian Bay and uh it was still like no cars at all at the border surprisingly but I was I kept seeing people posting the like projected wait times from over by you there and I was like oh geez we're gonna be hung up at the border for an hour or two or whatever and so yeah, far that that first opener I was I heard guys I heard there was some guys that had to wait like 12 13 hours you know or sleeping in their cars and stuff jeez yeah. That's a little Hopefully much. We haven't run into that. No thanks. So, what have you been catching fish on this year? Oh, and that's the thing too—just a, a big mix, a big mix of, of baits. Um, the open water season, you know, where we're throwing the bigger stuff, the you know the the rug, the big rubber and big baits like that. Um, it, was, it was working really well, um, and now we're transitioning into that warmer period where where fish are starting to move up onto shallow water, shallow structure. Um, I've, I've got my first few top water fish this past week and nice. uh, we're starting to, starting to pull out the bucktails, get them, get them moving real fast. And, you know, they're just, they're eating this year on a big, big streak right now of outings on the water with fish in the boat. So it just feels really, really good. Since um, you brought up top water, when you're fishing top water, do you always run slow? fast medium i run them slow very slow okay yep and i do i do throw a mix of of uh you know prop baits flat tail baits yeah and uh walk the dog baits um the i use a true glide heckler is my probably all-time favorite bait that's the, um, that's the that I was going to ask you about that because I saw you got one on a true true glide heckler and I was wondering what that is. So it's a it's a bait bait made by a buddy of mine, Joe Peterson, and the True Glide line. It, they are what a lot of people would consider to be art or or musky guy catchers. Rather, you know, like he makes incredible bait, incredible paint jobs. But, but the, his baits are tuned to run unbelievably well. If you ever, if you ever feel like digging into your wallets and forking out 200 plus bucks on a bait, they're the most, in my opinion, the most incredible baits on the market and they work, they work. They just flat out catch. And the, the, the heckler is a, is a, is a version of the walk the dog. It has a, like a wide wobble as it's walking the dog so it's not just like your standard like swoosh 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 it's like a wobbly walk the dog is that the one that kind of looks like a drop belly glide yes yep okay yeah they have a european uh, kind of look like a european pike bait kind of vibe yep yep the european uh, pike baits probably look like them yeah that's it that's definitely my uh my favorite bait probably of all time um and then I do throw a lot of the new bomb squad stuff. That stuff's been really, really effective the last two years here. So do you do you know anything about that brand, Alex? I have a question about. I do. Them. Yeah, I'm actually very good friends with uh, one of the guys who is John Holmgren. He's a local okay. 
local so guide. I um, noticed the one bait is called the tomahawk. Is that because it's made near tomahawk or? <laughs> uh, I don't know where they're based out of it. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's that, that... and so it was. I don't know. Yeah, That's I'm where I sure. caught the musky bug was Tomahawk, Wisconsin. So if it was made in Tomahawk, I like I have to have one. That's that's why yeah. I'm curious. I don't think so. I don't think so. But ah, okay. That's also well, that's a, a really neat bait. That's a too, bummer, you know? but cool. Yeah. <laughs> um. That's a so it's a it is a a prop bait, but it's not. Uh, it's a prop bait that delivers a lot different noise than like your standard plop plop plop. You know, it's it's more of and it's it's got these stainless, um, like uh washer relate type things in there that you can that you can tune so it almost squeals it's like a squealing noise when you when it comes in and it's like a soft swish and fish have been really just crushing the thing the last two years so really good baits really 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 loving those less less bit here have you done any filming or you don't really do much camera stuff or uh, i you know i i don't do a whole lot of camera stuff mm-hmm. i've got a couple couple of cool videos um which i'll i'll i don't put a lot of stuff on the internet you know yeah. I, I just I, personal like for yourself yeah a lot yeah. of cool stuff i like to share stuff within my circle of friends and and whatever but i'll i'll put a i'll put some stuff up on the internet uh, on a random board day or something but yeah yeah not going out to make videos uh, just... no i i don't have any issue with that i do i do like it you know like i said yeah. uh, like uh john holmgren who was actually he was actually up uh in morrison the same time that we were so we were chatting at the boat, boat access on lake of the woods last weekend and and uh he was out there he's getting them too and yeah he's one of those guys that just uh does his thing and you know he's come he's coming out with a i think a tv show in the next year or two here wow. and, is that him and he's his a, wife uh, that have yeah, the yeah, home yeah, they run devoted outdoors? Uh, devoted oh, de- outdoors. Devoted outdoors. Okay. Yeah. Yep. They're doing their thing and those her and him and Ashley are, are just great people. And they they've been doing a lot of filming and uh a lot of a lot of good stuff that's gonna be coming out with that group soon. So well, I, cool. think, I think you should slap a camera up in the boat somewhere because I'd like to see videos of some of these fish. You guys yeah I, I you know I've, I've had a lot of people say how can you know, run a run go i have all this stuff i just uh it's it's a hassle man it's like a it, hobby it, in itself it's, it is you know it's uh yeah when i get out there i just want to pull up and start i just want to fish you know i just want to cast mm-hmm. i just want to fish and not uh you know not fiddle around with my stuff too much um but i will i i'll, I'll i'm gonna start shooting some video like for the musky battle we'll have it fully rigged up for for full full video so um that'll be that'll be cool for that event um but like i said i i'm just out there just fishing you know i just want to go fish relax take in my surroundings and uh and just do it for the fun for the passion you know yep donnie 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 always raises his hand he's so so polite i try to be uh try to be polite uh (laughs) This is my question for Alex off the live scope topic that I wanted to ask him before we got off here tonight. So I'm going to throw it out right now. Uh, I figure there's probably maybe some more of our loyal listeners out this way could possibly benefit from this in my struggles in the past. But uh, 
as most of you know, I've made multiple trips to Minnesota, to the Northwoods, to to Alex's home waters, and I have struggled, to say the least, very, very badly. Uh, I've made four trips. I've boated two muskies. Only one of them was above 30 inches, and it wasn't much bigger than that. So my question for Alex is, if you were to give somebody that's coming up to the Northwoods of Minnesota, you know, one tip or, or one piece of advice for, you know, how to attack those waters, if, you know, somebody that's not necessarily familiar with the Minnesota waters, uh, what would that be? Well, uh, well, not necessarily a tip, but if, if you know a local guide local guides are always the best option um if you're if you are a person that wants to go out on your own and get on a bite window uh shoot me a message i'll point you in a decent direction (laughs) um uh but the thing is like i said the thing about minnesota fish is at least the last couple years with it with the heavy increases in pressure um in the popularity of the sport uh minnesota fish are very like very very transient and they're very um they, they move around a lot so you have to stay active and you have to stay on the move spot to spot to spot to spot use your side imaging use the electronics that you have um but just stay on the move that's the best thing you can do um at times though and at certain times of the year um these Minnesota fish do get very groupy though. Um, so if you run into one or two fish, you're likely going to be running into 10 or 15 fish in that same area. So if you're on them, you know, don't necessarily leave fish to find fish, but it's all, it's very seasonal though. It's very seasonal. It depends on the time of year. This is what, and this is another aspect though. It, it's, it's 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 a it's a true skill um to be able to master your local waters um and stay on top of them and what's happening you know throughout the throughout the season um and this is where you know this goes back to the uh, the live scope argument in itself like musky fishing has a huge uh, education curve you know it's like it's like growing up as a as a kid we you know, we had to go through we a math class. We had to go through learning equations, or at least at the very minimal, simple math: add, subtract, plus, minus. You know what I mean? And uh, with live scope, it's almost to me, it's just like giving a kid a, a a calculator and say, "Oh, here's math for it. Here's your math." You know what I mean? Like you have to. There is, you know, a, a good angler. It, it is true that a good angler you don't need live scope to catch fish. You mm-hmm. don't have to go dump a bunch of money into catch fish. If you want to be able to, to compete in big time tournaments, you're, you're going to need it. Yes. Because that is the curve that's going to separate everyone who, who fishes these tournaments are great anglers. Right. And then you give them a tool, like, like the ability to, to, to scope them. It it just makes them on like just unstoppable. So, but yeah, good great anglers. They don't you don't need these big electronics. You just have to 
understand seasonal movements, put, put together the pieces of, you know, what's happening. What's the, what are the water temperatures? What direction, what direction or, or you know, wind, what is the barometric pressure at, uh, you know, are we pre post frontal, et, et cetera. You know, there's so many aspects that go into the education of fishing for muskies that just, you gotta, you gotta learn, you gotta go through a learning process, understand what makes them tick. And, uh, that's one thing I think so many people work. are, are starting to get disconnected from is, you know, I, I find muskies at this spot here, then now, whatever time, but they don't put together the backstory as to why they're there, what bait they're following. You know, yep. I mean, paying attention to the whole ecosystem is the, the most critical thing i think yeah to me yeah to me like the the most uh there's three there's three aspects to to musky fishing uh, it's first of all you know fishery education musky education um um you've got the the biggest one which is of course time on the water you know time on the water is always going to equal more fish you know, that's the biggest, biggest aspect of, of musky fishing. That's, a, that's what I thought of as soon as you mentioned Cass Lake earlier. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yep. Um, and, and yeah, I, I guess if, if you're a new first timer to Minnesota, connect, connect with a local guide. They know their stuff. They know their stuff. There's some great guides up in the Northern Minnesota area. You know, you've got, Kevin Cochran, you've got uh, Holmgren, you've got Seifert, Matt Seifert in the Vermilion area, Luke Ronestrand, all these guys. There's a lot of great, great guides in, in that know their local waters. Connect with those guys. But it, like I said, I'm not a person to like reach out to a guide if I'm going to a new water because I, I enjoy the aspect of breaking it down and trying to learn it on my own. But um if you're one of those guys, then yeah, just be, be mobile. That's biggest tip in Minnesota. Be mobile. Well, how try much to put together, try to put together the pieces. How much of the Minnesota guides are moving? Cause you gotta be, I mean, uh, years ago there were the main lakes, you know, mill lakes, vermilion, which obviously those are still big lakes, but are guides moving and exploring different waters because the fisheries are changing based on, you know, whatever stocking based on fishing pressure, based on climate changes, you know, whatever. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I'm doing it too. So, you know, we're there, you know, you've got, you've got your big lakes, you know, you've got your Cass, your Vermilion, your Mille Lacs, your Bemidji, your Minnetonka, you know, your big waters that are, that are familiar with everyone who comes on vacation and things like that. But then, you know, you got your smaller waters that are a little bit more off the grid, less pressured and uh, guys are starting to, to branch out definitely to, you know, it's a tough job being a guide these days, especially in a pre in a pressured scenario as Minnesota. Um, you, you you feel a lot of pressure to put your clients on fish. Yeah, customers don't want to hear excuses. You know, they don't want to hear, yeah. they don't want to hear that the weather was bad. They don't hear that it was a bad front. They don't want to hear that the weeds didn't come up the way they did last year. You know, they want to get put on, put on fish. It's a, it's true. Yep. It's a, it's a real tough gig. And, uh, 
and I, I feel for them these days. It's not how it was in the mid 2000s, you know, in the mid mid 2000s up on these waters, whew, man, you could, you know, we were having three to seven fish days, you know, it's just a different ball game now. Lots of pressure, fish constantly moving. Guides know their stuff. You gotta, you gotta understand the, the current situation. And if you're only coming up for a, a quick weekend or something, you got your work cut out for you, you know? How much does that, but, how much does that result in guys like you starting to go further north? Well, uh, I mean, I'd say probably a lot. Like, I, 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 yeah, Canada. I mean, Canada's still pretty untouched and it's appealing. It was appealing, and I've always wanted to go there and not on top of, you know, fish that's still uh, actively bite uh, up there. It's beautiful, scenic, you know, it's just a different world. So, um, yeah, I can see the guys branching out, you know, and a, a common theme is guys fishing, connecting waters too. Like if, if you, and this, this is the same for every state too. Like people don't, people don't realize all the time how mobile muskies really truly are. If you've got a, a body of water that has muskies and there are small streams or streams that run off of that into different lakes or different rivers, or they will, they will, they will extend as far down as that goes. They will go, there are, there are a lot of muskies in non-musky lakes that have just found their way through streams and things like that. And guys are branching out. They're branching out and trying, uh, trying new stuff and new aspects to, to stay ahead of uh, the, the curve, the pressure of the curve, you know? How much horsepower restriction is there around there? Or can you pretty much go anywhere you want with a big boat? There's not, I mean, in terms of musky waters and waters that have muskies in them, I, there's not really any ho horsepower restrictions. Um, you, there are certain bodies of like backwaters and bodies of waters where you're going to, you would need like a jet boat or, or, uh, you know, definitely nothing bigger than like a 12, 14 foot John boat to, to, to make it work. But, um, there isn't, there aren't any like active restrictions on, on all the waters that I'm aware of that contain muskies. It's like every one of ours here has a restriction. Oh yeah. yeah. All guys, guys are definitely branching out though. And it is cool to see it. It is fun. Uh, it is fun. You know, when you, when you find uh, some untouched water that, that muskies have navigated all the way to, and you're out there fishing the new stuff. It's that's, that's a fun game. Yeah. Well, I'm still a Canada virgin. They're, they're all trying to get me up there. I think it'd be exciting just to have more than, than five musky lakes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Canada is definitely a whole, a whole nother. That's a whole other ball game. I mean, the size, the size of the water there is just otherworldly. I mean, Lake of the Woods obviously is, is that, that type of body of water, but I mean, it is just, it is just a different world. It's different structure. It's different, different everything. It's a, yeah, it's incredible. And there's, there's a lot of untouched water out there. A lot of untouched water. It's very, very appealing well, to, get, I, to get away. <laughs> it was in one of the, I, I think one of the ugly Pike podcasts that Kyle Garan from uh, Slobland flicks. He was saying that if, if guys fished 
Georgian Bay, the way they fished Mill Lacks, there would be 60 pounders caught every year. Um, because in, in just nobody fishes it. Nobody, it's such big water, such big water. You know, it, it's it's almost hard to fathom how big the Georgian Bay is, even compared to fisheries like Lake Nipissing and 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 Lake of the Woods and Eagle Lake. I mean, Georgian Bay is enormous. There's no fish there. Go to go to Minnesota. <laughs> go see Alex. Thing. You you could you could say it on every podcast, every musky podcast in the world. The Georgian Bay is hard to get to, and it is such a big body of water. You, it's almost unfishable, like for for a regular person. It really is. It's oh, super, yeah. super, super intimidating for somebody who doesn't live there. Uh, like even some of these waters, like guys are just in, like some of the big waters. You know, they're just it's an intimidation factor. Like for 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 a number of years, and not the last few years, but growing up, I was like, man. Lake of the Woods is just intimidating. Where do I start? You know, where do I go? You know, and I, I, I would feel even worse about that on those big, those enormous Great Lakes waters. But I agree that that, that is a body of water that if, if guys push their limits, especially in the late season, that, you know, there's probably a world record swimming around in there, you know, or a modern yeah. day world record, I should say. Mm. Oh, yeah. Actual world record. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Was the what what what's the Ken uh, Ken O'Brien fish out of? Yeah, sixty five pounds or something like that. Yep, yep. Out of Moon River. Moon River. Moon River Basin. Let's go there. <laughs> you I could drive fish, by you every could, time. Yeah, you could you could fish for years and not not catch something like that up there. I mean, <laughs> just driving near there is is intimidating. You know, all the different, you can drive the Georgian Bay for hours. It's three hours of my trip. You're running parallel to it. One of these days, we'll get the Minnesota boys up there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we want to have, we want to have a battle out. Uh, oh, boy. Years at some point. Oh, go, dude, yeah. get, get the group together Absolutely. and have yeah. a good time. Yeah. Party at Absolutely. Nick's house. Yeah. Come across <laughs> yeah. the top. Absolutely. Sure everybody brings their uh, work belts and, and boots. Yep. Yeah. A lot of work needs. Done. Hopefully, it'll be done by then. <laughs> well, now, then, by that time, the episode's going to end with people or with Owen inviting everybody to Canandota and Nick inviting everybody to Georgia Bay. They're going to have their pick by then. Wow. I'm not inviting everybody. Like, not, <laughs> not you, Tom. Oh, so he's not going to be as liberal <laughs> as Owen is. He's going to pick and choose. Well, boys, what 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 other topics do we want to cover here tonight? Or we or we we want to try to start wrapping her up. I guess uh, when's the battle again? Now? Yeah. So uh, October nineteenth through the twenty third. Um, it's in right in my right in my backyard here, and uh, we're still looking around thirty or so guys, and everyone's pumped. Everything's laid out. Got a plan for it. Are there any live scope rules? No. Ooh. No. No, no, no. Not we yet. haven't it's not well, like a true tournament per se either. No, no, no. This, yeah. this what this is what the what the battle is is well and we want to keep it like that too. It's it's not a tournament. Yeah. If it was a real tournament where we were giving out cash and all this stuff, you know, we would have to we would have to work with the DNR and get permits and stuff like that. So this is literally just a 
a group of guys look just getting together to have a good time and compete for uh, our our fantasy league trophy kind of is what it's like you know and i and, think i think jeff Contreras said he's writing a ten thousand dollar check to the winner if i'm not mistaken <laughs> yeah i did hear that i thought i heard that yes jeff if you're uh-huh. listening please confirm or guy. deny this rumor oh it's confirmed he's a great dude on uh semi-pro <laughs> the winner's favorite charity <laughs> written in glitter and paint yeah I mean, we hit the live scope thing pretty hard, but I figured in honor of Ryan being gone, I know he has this quote on his wall and like on like a painting or something, but this guy, John Buchan or Buchan or something a long time ago, he said, the charm of fishing is that it is the pursuit of what is elusive, but attainable, a perpetual series of occasions for hope. And I thought that favorite quote ever yeah. and I, I thought that ties you can i'm not going to debate about it you can people listening can let it sink in but i thought that ties into this whole live scope thing really well absolutely and you know what i i guess one totally uh, not off topic but a, a side note so the in regards to like tournament fishing um the pmtt did hold a vote between all of the P, the trail team trail teams on whether on what to do with live scope so the options were one unit um Mm. no no change or a complete ban and uh the voting has since closed and he's supposed they're supposed to release the what they're they they, they're leaving the future up to the the vote of the anglers which is cool yeah that's a good Um, idea i'm kind of anxious to to see what the results are of that vote i i I don't have a clue. Um, I have heard like pre like from guys saying, well, I think it's like 70% total ban. Um, and I'm curious, um, that's going to be interesting that they would have, for, it's interesting for, that they would have one unit as an option. Like, okay, you can have this technology, but only in a limited way, as opposed to saying yay or nay, yay or nay to the, to the technology period. Yep. Yep. So it will be interesting and it will, it will be kind of, in my opinion, groundbreaking to the future of all muskie tournaments and, uh, and tournament fishing in general. I think that being vocal, not just myself, but a lot of, it's a, a lot of guys being vocal about it has changed some perception and I think it's going to help. And that's, you know, I, I get, I've got hundreds actually hundreds of messages from from guys including a lot of big name guides across the midwest saying hey you know i love that you're 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 speaking your opinion on it uh i'm 100 percent supportive of you i'm just not being loud about it because you know i've got my business to attain and i don't want i don't want i don't want people to go out bashing me or whatever and that to me in itself is a little bit disappointing that people in a sense have to to stay quiet about you know when it when it comes to their opinion on everyone's got their own masters to serve and a lot of these guys they are being you know they're in the industry yeah Yeah. living living in a world where people just aren't allowed to freely express their opinion anymore without just 
without backlash from from uh, the other side and that's just that's that's crappy you know like well there are people there are people like you and honestly like this podcast where you're not sponsored like uh, we're not sponsored in any way so we're not care we don't care to ruffle any feathers we're not having any we're not trying to ruffle feathers in any way because this isn't we don't have a dog in this fight but i would rather hear from somebody that doesn't have you know the sponsorships and the industry affiliations that would cause them to would, would, would cause them to have a biased opinion you know and that's one and, thing people don't realize is how many you know guides or you know semi-pro or professional fishermen are getting their units given to them or you know paid for through some you know even a fifty percent, even a cost. Right. Even if you're getting yeah. your units at cost, and you're still paying for them, but you're getting them at cost, you are not going to bite that hand that feeds right. you. I'm right. sorry, you're just exactly. not. That's what I was. Not if you're at, yeah. not if not if you're a businessman. Right. So yep. I like how that's why that's why when I saw kind of your posts and knowing you, like just knowing you and not no, not knowing you in terms of you're not just another guy on the internet, you know. We know how you fish, and I saw how you had an an outspoken opinion on this, and that's exactly what we want here. You know, we none of us are experts at all. If anything, we want to open this up to honest conversation about you know the musky industry, musky. You know, and do our listeners now maybe want to go buy fifteen thousand dollars worth of units because they know it's gonna catch them some fish and that might be somebody's cup of tea you know we're, we're not here to right. judge anybody you know by the lake arthur tournament because you're banned <laughs> so that's the thing like i'm not out there i'm, I'm not out judge. there judging anybody either like i i've i've on an, on an occasion i go fishing with a guy or friends of mine that have live scope okay uh i go it doesn't make go you a live scoper no, I know it doesn't make me. It doesn't make me like love live scope, you know. But and I, we poke fun at each other, and and people need to stop being so polarized over stuff like this. Like I like same with the political spectrum. Like I go fishing with my some buddies on the completely other end of the world when it comes to politics, and you you got to be able to have an open mind and and communicate, like not profession, not necessarily professionally, but just like be able to be able to talk to people and, and you have to be able to express your opinion without just like, you know, starting a war. It's just crazy. You know, to me, it's just, I don't, I, there's a concept that I don't, I'll never understand. You and know, for any, if, if any of our listeners feel that, you know, this has been unfair towards, you know, <laughs> against live scope and they want to come on and, and just give us the other side of the, the coin here, we'd be more than happy to hear that. And I don't get that. I don't get from Alex that, that he's saying, oh, live scope is, is the, you know, is the devil. It's, it's, it's reaching the, it's a very slippery slope and live scope may be a bridge too far, so to speak. But it's in terms of competition wise, but as long as you're doing things ethically, you know, you're not using this new technology to somehow jeopardize our fisheries and the things that we we hold so dear to us, you know, go go knock yourself out. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. If, like I said, if, if that's your gig and, and you're and you're using it ethically and you're you're uh, you love the new tech, but by all means, I'm. I, I, a lot of my, a lot of my good, good, good buddies are out 
using a live scope unit, having fun with it, trolling with it. Yeah, there are a lot of guys that buy it just it. because they're the type of people that want to have the newest thing. And it right. this yeah, happens to be the too, newest yeah. thing. It doesn't mean they're going to go out and exploit it and, and start harvesting, you know, gigantic muskies illegally because they got a live scope. Exactly. Yeah. But, you know, and if you're one of those guys, don't, uh, you know, I don't, I don't want to say don't be offended, but just don't, yeah, try not to be so offended by, you know, and, and have a little bit of an understanding why there is a lot of people being vocally against it. Like, they're like, I like, there were some comments in the PMTT thread, you know, from a lot of, a lot of those guys, a lot of those PMTT anglers like, Hey, you know, I have a live scope unit. I go out and use it on my Saturday afternoons. I, but I, I understand what this product can do in the hands of a, of a unethical person. And I understand the, 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 the negative effects it can, it absolutely can have in tournament angling. And you have to be able to, you know, you have to be able to have that open mindset and, and, you know, and not just jump, the, not just jump on top of somebody for saying, Oh, I hate live scope or I love the other person who I love live scope. You know, it just, Keep an open mind, understand practical and non-practical uses of it, and you know, do what's do what's best for the fisheries. Because at the end of the day, this is the sport we love. This is what we do. And if if too many people don't care about it and just abuse everything, well, we know where that's going to head. And there's been a lot of uh, a lot of historical. Um, moments you know you, you have like the leech lake musky rampage and uh, right. a lot of a lot of things that happen in through the timeline of 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 musky fishing the industry of it that have are are game changers a live scope is a game changer but it's also in my opinion it crossing that line uh, of of ethics and fairness to the to the to the the resource itself, the muskies, when muskies can no longer escape, uh, and uh, people and too many people are, are using this tool to harass the fish with, uh, I'm not a fan of that. And I understand why a lot of other people aren't a fan of that either. Well, you want to talk fairness. Wait till that boy Camden Glade gets live scope on his little magic his electric wand there. It's going to be over for everybody. <laughs> He's got the ultimate wand. Yeah, wait, wait till he gets the live scope. All he's going to be helping everybody oh. out because they'll be hungry after he's done with them. It's uh-huh. electric. <laughs> well, boys. Yeah. Well, boys. Thank you very much for coming on, Alex. Absolutely. This, Absolutely. Alex, this has been a blast, man. This has yeah. been a blast. And hopefully hopefully you don't get too much negative uh, you know, feedback or we don't get too much negative feedback because this, I, I don't, oh. I do not want this to be, you well, know, any type of an indictment of of live scope but it's it's a fair warning i mean i think in all throughout no, history like you've had you've had people who have been kind of warning ahead of time like hey technology has reached a point now where we need to be wary of it 
And there are certain people that are speaking up early. And then there are people that are, are going to wait until it's too late, so to speak. And so I kind of look at you as one of the people that is kind of speaking up early saying, I'm seeing where this is going. Let's, let's kind of nip it in the bud before it becomes a bigger problem. That's, that's what we're, we're trying. Um, you know, I can, I can say that with the technological, like, arms race, so to speak, it, it is going to get extreme. It is going to get way, way more extreme than, than people think. You, you see all, you see all these jokes about drones and, uh, and, uh, chips and, and all this sort of thing. Well, there is a future and it's only going to get more extreme. So, you know, pe- people who, who aren't a fan of that, I encourage people to be vocal. And I also encourage you guys to have somebody on here that has a, you know, like I said, the completely opposite viewpoint and let them speak, speak freely. Um, and, you know, just ha- have civil conversations out there about it. Cause it, it does need to be talked about. And uh, yeah. I'm, I'm going to hang it up once they go to like the, the minority report psychic guy in a bathtub predicting where the muskies are. <laughs> That's where I'll draw the line. That's what I'll guys, stop. Fishing. He sits in your life. Well, yeah. Do you guys think that, you know, the, a lot, any of this push with you know, the unethical angling and, and the sitting on top of the fish, say the jig them up and, and, and this kind of stuff. Do you think that this stems at all from social media? You know, I, I don't want to, to, to go down that road this late in the podcast, but to no, me, it's a fair, I just a very feel fair like question. it always, it, it comes back to, you know, I think the social media game and, and fishing and this need to have a picture for the gram or, well, or yeah. whatever or to prove that you were out there or that you did something at I any think- cost. And it kind of takes the, you know, I feel like a lot of people aren't even out there for for the enjoyment of the sport, like we've been talking about, like Alex has said so many times or whatever. And it's it's really all just to to thump your chest in the end or whatever and, and make it I'm better than you or I did this or or what have you. Because it's in sad the competition, to say, but I think in the I competition aspect. Sorry, Nick, go ahead. Yeah. I think that's very accurate, Donnie. I completely agree. I do think that unethical angling uh, very much stems from from guys who just want to to do anything for that fish to put up on gratification. Yep, I really do. I think that you know, without social media, uh, a lot of that would would be downplayed. I don't even think that we would have. technology that we do today without social media right so i mean that's where you know because like again we talk about it you know most of these guys are still you know we're putting these fish back even these people that are they're doing the things on you know unethically and they maybe they're dying but they're still putting them back it's not so what's the motive out and poaching a deer right and they want to take it home to eat it or whatever what what is what is your goal here? If What's the motive? Anything you know? It's it seems like it's just to get that picture, or just you know whatever. 
Well, in a tournament aspect, it makes sense because you're doing it because you want right. the competent, you know, you want the, the prize at the end of the rainbow. You want to get the check. You want to thump your chest in the competition way. Um, the other aspect is social media. That is just a purely, you know, I'm a hot girl. How many likes can I get? Uh, and if you're fishing unethically just to be the hot girl on in, uh, on the musky Instagram page, man, you, your priorities are all fucked up. Yep. Amen. Yep. I completely, totally, unequivocally, just totally believe that. It's like you said, that's another, that's a whole nother rabbit hole where you can go down the social media conversation and the pros and cons of it. You know, the, obviously the biggest pro of social media is meeting new people. Right. Like we would, I wouldn't know any one of you guys. I wouldn't know anyone. We wouldn't have, be, we wouldn't have the musky battle. That whole route has been the greatest thing of, of the, on, the internet, the online world, social media, things like that. But it's tough because it opened up a lot of, a lot of worms in terms of ethics and uh, uh, just super, super need for, for gratification and things like that. Like, like I said, it, it's, it's the, whole, the whole industry and the world has gotten to me so much you know, and I'm, I, there are days I feel like I'm just not even allowed to express an opinion and I am about to just hang it up and go fish Canada off my, off completely off grid for the rest That's of my time. That's what you should do, man. You know, I'm, I'm on that. I'm, I told, I'm telling everyone like, this is it. This is the last chance I have to speak my <laughs> mind on what's happening in the world. And I'm, I'm speaking my mind and it's too, too much oh, crap. Canada. Go fish, have fun rewarding to go catch fish don't even take pictures of them just, nope exactly exactly but did, but did you even, catch it? even like but did you even catch it if you didn't put it on instagram does it matter <laughs> i ran out of fish pictures of nick after episode four i've been photoshopping them ever since the last 25 are fake <laughs> I fly real he's low keep putting his head on alex's body that's uh-huh. all you need to do yeah <laughs> Well, this has been this has been not just enjoyable, but it has been enlightening. I think it, yeah. it I think it's going to be a lot of food for thought and something for our listeners to chew on. And I think this is something that, you know, other people that aren't our normal listeners might listen into because it is a hot topic and this is a spicy opinion, so to speak. Um, and I don't mean spicy. It's more like, hey, it's one side of the it's one side of the coin that we know. It's pretty spicy. You, you know, there are two sides not here, to this coin. We know there are two sides of this coin. So we appreciate Alex coming on here and, and, you know, filling us in on his opinion on this whole thing and really giving what I believe is a fair, really a fair rundown on, on, on the whole, the whole subject. Yeah. I appreciate being here. And I guess I encourage you guys to have somebody with a, with a different uh, differentiating opinion. So I'd like to hear, I'd like to hear what they have to say in a, in a civil manner and, and, Either way, you know, in the world of musky fishing, I, again, I'm just going to speak loud and clear here. For you guys that just totally disagree, just have some mutual respect. I understand where people are coming from on the other side. Try to understand where we're coming from and, you know, don't just go out and just, you know, harass each other completely, you know. But yeah. I don't know. If, if not, we're going to get two of those gigantic sumo inflatable pseudo, sumo suits. And have two of our guests have to <laughs> battle it out. That'll settle it. Oh, all right. Well, 
Alex, thank you again, man. This has been a blast and I can't wait for this one to come out and see, see what type of reaction we get to this. Yeah. Welcome. Send all, send all angry emails to Nick Fiesler at gmail. Tom Van, Tom dot Van Atta at gmail.com. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> all right, boys, everyone have a great evening. Thanks, right. Alex. It was hey, awesome. Thanks, Alex. It was you fun, guys. Man. Take care. Good luck out there, buddy. Great time. Thanks. I had to shake him on my last case. Big O don't play. O don't play.